0: Thank you, everyone. It's so lovely to be here with you this morning on this second Sunday of Advent. And I bring with me the love and blessings from Antrim Coast Vineyard Church, who are actually joining in with us this morning. And so, good morning to you all as well. And as Chantelle said there, um, she knows that I love Advent. And she said, Would you speak about Advent because we know how much you love it? And this is absolutely true. Over the later years of my life, um, I find Advent to be just a wonderful time and it's taken on a whole new meaning. And rather than it being just a time for waiting on Christmas um, and eating chocolate from a calendar before breakfast, I have been learning about what it looks like to be waiting on God in the everyday of my life. What it looks like to live expectantly, waiting for the Kingdom of God to break into my life and my hopes and dreams for my family and my community. And when chantelle asked me i really just did laugh to myself because yes i absolutely love advent but chantelle knows me well enough to know that i am utterly hopeless at waiting around i don't like waiting and even worse than that i loathe being kept waiting and it's not because i think i'm anything special i think it's probably just because i am one of the most impatient people that i know it's just my personality I love it when things keep moving i love spontaneity i love change i love growth and i really love creativity and i know in 2020 at times it's been really hard to find joy and it's been hard to be intentional about finding what makes us tick and what lights us up but the creative part of me has loved 2020. what about i'm a celebrity whenever they said it's going to be in a castle i was just like yes this is brilliant because i was imagining a room full or a zoom full of people who were sitting around going what are we going to do this year we need to keep this show on the road what's it going to be like and i just i honestly i don't really watch a lot of reality tv anymore but i just loved it i loved all the different things all the different ideas it was just really 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 good so anyway enough about that uh, Well, let's talk about advent this morning so advent means coming in latin and it means we are waiting for the coming of christ into the world And in this season, we think of Jesus coming into the world as a baby to live on earth as a man, as Paul said, God with us, Emmanuel. And we might also ponder the time when many of us asked Jesus to come into our own lives, when we invited the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us. But Advent also reminds us that we are living in this now and not yet. that actually, we are also waiting for the time when Jesus comes back again to the world as our King, because we are all waiting in our own lives for the fullness of the kingdom of God to come on earth as it is in heaven. I just have a wee quote here from Sarah Bessie and this is what she has said about Advent. Advent simply means coming, so for me it is about the waiting. When people talk about living in the tension I think of Advent. It's the time when we prepare to celebrate his birth and we also acknowledge that we are waiting here still for every tear to be wiped away I think of the waiting for the Christ child yes and I think of the still waiting for all things to be made right for our longing for shalom so what are you dreaming of this morning in our day-to-day reality we are all waiting for the dreams that each of us has to come to pass there's not one of us that can truly say that we're not waiting on something Indeed many of us would say that we are often actively dreaming of the things that we are waiting for, dreaming of the ways we would love to see God moving and working in us and through us. Whoever we are, wherever we are watching this from this morning, however we articulate it, whatever words we use, our dreams are significant. They aren't just random thoughts. Somewhere deep in our being is a dream, at least part of which is from our creator God who was and is the ultimate dreamer whose image that we, ourselves, were dreamt from. Our dreams act like a bit of a sat-nav, really, don't they? As we journey through our lives, our dreams are like the destination that we type in at the top. Um, that's where we're headed, and that's where we want to get to. But the only difference between us and using something like Google Maps is that we don't get that lovely step-by-step that comes underneath with the directions and the estimated time of arrival. We don't get that instead we ask god to lead us and guide us towards the dreams that he has birthed in us and that's what having faith is and so often we may feel we're waiting in that tension that sarah bessie describes we have entered this while you wait space and you'll be familiar with that term while you wait and it's this gap between when our dream was recognized or initiated and the time that we see and experience the dream become realised. so In many ways, it's a bit like a virtual waiting room, and I'm sure many of us have been in many virtual waiting rooms over this last number of months. And so that's what I feel God has for us as we ponder Advent this morning. How can we navigate this while we wait space well in this season? What might help us? What do we need to look out for? There is an extensive list on this subject, but I'm just going to pick four things this morning, four challenging areas. So all the days I wanted to try to help us to remember this, So what happens in this waiting space? Our dreams, well firstly they might start to look different, they might become difficult, but our development can be increased and our determination can become steadied, and I'm going to explain all about that later on. So let's dive straight in. So different, so I'm going to tell you about one of my dreams, probably around the time when I was in sixth form, so 1993, 1994. And in the 90s, university was much more accessible than it is now. There was much more financial help, there were fees and there was grants and the loans were extremely cheap. And so you can imagine having been born and experienced our entire lives throughout the Troubles, most of us at school in that time were really hopeful to leave Northern Ireland and, quite frankly, never come back. This was pre-Good Friday Agreement. And I remember us girls all sitting around in the common room We were regularly planning our escape to Scottish universities, and shallow as it might sound, we would talk mostly not about our future careers, but all about our dreams of finding tall, dark and handsome Scotsmen who would (laughs) sweep us off our feet and eventually become our future husbands. This did take up quite a lot of conversation. So fast forward to 1999, and I'm engaged to Andy. Andy is handsome, but he is not tall. So I'm five foot six, and Andy is five foot seven, so just a little bit. Um, he had sandy fair hair then, back then. And as many of you know, he is only fifty. Well, you might not know, he's not he's not Scottish, but he is fifty percent Scottish. So we'll just we're just going to let him off. So to be fair, all jokes aside, I really did have a deep, heartfelt desire even then to find a life partner who loved Jesus and who would share all my dreams. And those dreams in those days were things like running a guest house, a coffee shop. Planting a church was really not um, a dream at that point in our lives. But I wanted to look after people. I wanted to care for people and be hospitable. (coughs) Excuse me. Anyway, you get what I'm trying to say. Sometimes when we find ourselves in this waiting area, the dream that we are moving towards often starts to look different. It's the same dream, but we don't always get what we thought we were waiting on in the while I was waiting space God was working in ways that I didn't know that I couldn't see and throughout the Bible we read about the conception and then the birth of the fulfillment of many different dreams but what we often read about most is the story of what happens in this time in between this while we wait space and at different points in the Old Testament we read of prophecies about the coming of the Messiah which was a promise given to the people of Israel So their dream was to see this promise fulfilled, to finally see the arrival of the saviour of the world on earth, who would rescue and redeem their people and establish a new way of kingdom rule and reign. This is what they were dreaming of while they waited. And one of these prophecies we can read about in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, and this is God's promise to David, and this is God speaking to Nathan. Now then tell my servant David this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name like the names of the greatest men on earth and I will provide a place for my people Israel and the great Sorry, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also subdue your enemies. I declare to you that the Lord will build a house for you. When your days are over and you go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom he is the one who will build a house for me and i will establish his throne forever i will be his father and he will be my son i will never take my love away from him as i took it away from your predecessor i will set him over my house and my kingdom forever his throne will be established forever so the people of israel were dreaming of the long-awaited messiah who they expected to be like a redemptive figure in the likeness of king david and even later in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And that's Isaiah 7:14. And that still does not say unmarried, ordinary young girl travels to Bethlehem in Judea on the back of a donkey. And it doesn't say baby born to a young couple in an animal trough at the back of a pub. And I imagine this is not quite what the people of Israel had in mind and was probably quite different to their dream of the coming of the Messiah King. The promise that the Messiah would come was realized. The many prophecies were fulfilled, but the dream looked very different than what had been expected. God's plan for the arrival of the coming of the Savior of the world was unexpected. It was much more beauty and simplicity and mystery than grand and regal and triumphant. I'm going to talk a little bit now about the second thing, which is difficult. So, if we fast forward to Palm Sunday, when Jesus has become known, he's been traveling around, he is becoming known for all the great and wonderful things that he's been doing. We can see at that time how those people, the Jews, discovered that what they thought that they were waiting on was actually going to be difficult. And so, we read in Matthew 21 9 to 11. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This exact phrase Hosanna in the highest is only used a couple of times in the Bible. The word Hosanna comes from a Hebrew word that means, save us, we pray. And the crowd, when they're using this word Hosanna as Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's significant because it was their way of publicly acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah. This is the point in the story of God's story that we would got to. The people acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. Their shouts of Hosanna, though, tell us that the people believed that not only had their Messiah arrived, but their dream of salvation had come as well. They actually believed that their dream of God's kingdom coming to earth had been fully realised in that moment. And the people in Jerusalem as well, they had been waiting such a long time for the fulfilment of those Old Testament prophecies. They were looking now for some kind of quick fix, something risk-free and easy that would immediately benefit them in their lives in the there and now. They were not expecting the difficulty of how they would really obtain salvation, that actually this Jesus, this long-awaited prophet from Galilee, would first have to suffer and die. The people of Israel in David's day had been dreaming of being rescued in this military style restoration by way of dictated authority, a leader who would take care of everything by taking on this role of a commander, a ruler that would bring an abundance of prosperity. But when the Messiah did come, the rescue came from sacrificial restoration by way of a delegated authority, a leader who would take care of everything by taking on the role of servant, sacrificing his own life for the entire world because his father God loved it. The dream of the rescue was both different and it was difficult in the waiting, but worth the wait. Paul writes in Colossians 1, and this is 13 to 14, For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I just have a lovely quote here from Anne Voskamp, who has written extensively about Advent. You may have seen this on social media during the week. Advent doesn't deny the dark within us. Advent isn't afraid of the dark around us. Advent doesn't rush through the dark ahead of us. Advent sits in the dark and yearns for the light of the only one who went to the tree of Calvary and shattered the dark for all of us. When we're waiting in this while we wait space for our dreams to be realized, there are going to be difficulties. Jesus' death on the cross was a desperately difficult, painful but necessary part of the fulfillment of the dream of the promise of the Messiah, who would come and shatter that dark once and for all for all of us. About two years ago and I think Ethan was about eight at the time, he wandered into the kitchen one day and he asked me a question and his question prompted me to think of a memory of something that had happened at university, I'm gonna go there again, that I had completely forgotten about. I was gonna look for some photographs but I've decided when I had a look at them that that was possibly not the best idea. But my second and third years in Dundee were spent in a flat in the town with three wonderful flatmates. All four of us were Christians. We had met through the CU and we were all from Northern Ireland. And as it turned out in that year, that first year, our entry year, about 61% of the whole intake had been from Northern Ireland. <laughs> so there were more students on Dundee in that year than there had been from Scotland. That So it's, it was mad. And so. I suppose home was never far away in many respects and among the large group of people that we all got to know there was an unwritten rule and it was an expectation that if someone had come home for the weekend that they brought back soda bread, potato bread, cans of club orange and of course potato cheese and onion crisps (laughs) and then we would share this stuff around it was lovely and so for all of that honestly I wasn't homesick till I was about 21 and yet deep in my heart was still a longing of a dream for peace in my wee country. And so I asked the girls one day, would they be okay about opening up our flat every Sunday afternoon, bit of a commitment, I think it was two o'clock, and we would invite others to come and pray for peace in Northern Ireland, and they were all up for it, and that's what we did for quite a long time. And this was the memory that suddenly came into my mind a few years ago when Ethan came into the kitchen one day, and he said to me, Mummy, what is a bomb? and I think it must have been around the time of the first anniversary of the Manchester Arena attack. I think he'd heard it on the news. And it really, the question took me really by surprise. And I don't remember the answer that I gave him, but I remember saying to Andy, our son has got to the age of eight and he doesn't know what a bomb is, hallelujah. Because like all the rest of us born in the conflict and sadly many other children around the world, By the time I had reached eight, I could have told you all about bombs. I could have told you about Semtex. I knew about timers and detonators. And I knew about different names like coffee jar bombs and incendiary devices and all of that. Now, it sounds like a foreign language now, isn't that just so good? And I didn't know all about these things, aged eight, because of any special circumstances. I knew about these things because it was normal. It was normal life. Almost every day, there was a body count. And that night, I lay in my bed and I thought about our prayer meeting in our flat in Dundee and our prayers were bold. And they were bold because our dream felt really big. And we prayed for really well-known controversial people by name out loud in our kitchen. And we prayed that their hearts would soften and that their violence would come to an end. My dream age 20 was that my children would not have to live through the atrocities of conflict every day. And my dream along with so many others over so many years became realised with the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. But the dream being realised was and still is not perfect. We're still in this while we wait because we're in the now and the not yet. And We could stand here all day and we could talk about Stormont and all our frustrations and all the really annoying things that happen week to week. We absolutely acknowledge that although peace in our country has its complex issues, we are in fact living the dream of so many people of so many years, but it's really difficult. We're still waiting for the time when Jesus comes and sets everything right again, when sectarianism and violence, sickness and death and COVID and cancer are all gone, when all things will be made new it's something many of us are dreaming about all of the time but for now we're in this while we wait space and so we continue in faith to contend for our dreams of healing and wholeness restoration transformation friends this morning i'm sure many of us are experiencing difficult and different journeys while we experience our waiting right now it is so hard And for the majority majority of us, 2020 has meant more pain, more disappointments, and further loss in our lives. For many of us, it feels like this while we wait space has become even longer. Our dreams may feel further away from ever being realised. And for many of us, it feels like probably the dream has been delayed. And this is the next thing I want to talk about. What, What if delay actually could mean development? I'm just going to read these verses from Habakkuk, chapter 2, 1 to 3. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place it will not be delayed. It's so hard, isn't it, to accept that God doesn't do delays because it's kind of easier if we think, oh, that's been delayed, God's delayed that. I was watching Ellie Mumford speaking recently and she said that God was not caught out by COVID. It didn't take him by surprise and he always knew it would come. Incredibly helpful reminder that God's timing is certainly not our timing. So delay it's mostly our own perception of what our expectations and our, our hopes were. But in the waiting, when we begin to s- discover that our dreams are looking different and more difficult than we had anticipated, this is where doubt and disappointment starts to creep in. We're not too sure who wrote the book of Hebrews in the Bible, but we know that the recipients were the Jewish people because they were deemed in this time to be like at risk of abandoning their faith altogether. So I just wanted to read a couple of verses from Hebrews 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming, will come and will not delay. We get so tired in the waiting, don't we? We get frustrated, we get even maybe irritated with God. We can start, maybe not intentionally at first, but we might start to assume a different posture. We can be in danger of moving away from a posture of hope and perseverance over towards a posture of doubt and deter. And I'm not even gonna pretend to you this morning that I haven't myself experienced many times when things have begun to look different and more difficult than I thought they would be. And the temptation to adopt this posture of doubt and detour has really lingered with me on so many occasions i have cried plenty of tears recent years and recently because of the waiting that i experience for the things that i am dreaming of and i know that many of you will have done that as well but it's how we react in this waiting space what decisions we take what choices we make these are the things that are as important as seeing the dreams god has given us fulfilled I'm sure many of you will have heard this Nikki Gumbel quote. Who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you are waiting for. And if you've been around Carrick Vineyard for a while, you will know this. You will have heard Paul or Chantel speak about this from the front. Who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you are waiting for. I do remember at some point around the time that Andy and I were planting Antrim Coast Vineyard, Paul said to us, who you become in this church planting process is as important as planting the church and if I'm totally honest I just remember thinking oh no Lord you're gonna have to really help me here I was thinking of my own impatience and just my own um struggles with waiting you know my I just love I just my, I want to get stuff done and this is where I just need to watch and as we wait our development is really important to Jesus and we need to know that this morning our development is really important to Jesus with his help our waiting strips away the things that God does not want us to carry into the dream that he's birthed in us we mature and we grow and we're set free from ego and in in the space we have time to lay down any misplaced motivations that we might have about the dream other than the motivation to live in obedience to Christ all the days of our lives it's where we learn to stretch our emotional and spiritual capacity to become, to become people who can steward the fulfilment of the dreams God has given us with Christ-like humility and wisdom. And it's in the waiting God shows us what we are to give away. And by doing so, that determines what we're going to leave behind as our legacy. So I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but long after we're gone, Will our children and those who come after us, will they be inspired, will they be influenced by how we journeyed this waiting space, this in-between space that came before what we were waiting for? And if it turns out that in the waiting we realise that we're not becoming maybe more like Jesus, then this is the good news, the part where we simply ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us and Jesus in his kindness and in his grace sits with us as we wait. His promise really is his presence Romans 8 26 28 we read this last Sunday night when we had the the ladies Advent night meanwhile the moment we get tired in the waiting God's spirit is right alongside us helping us along if we don't know how or what to pray it doesn't matter he does our praying in and for us making prayer out of our wordless sighs or aching groans he knows us far better than we know ourselves he knows our expectant condition and he keeps us present before God That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Friends, in our development and becoming more like Jesus, we must make every effort to keep close to Jesus. And so the question to ask ourselves about the decisions we take and the choices we make in this waiting time is, will this bring me closer to Jesus? And if we've gotten impatient with what we believe God has promised us, And if we are contemplating taking things into our own hands, then this needs to be where we land. Will this bring me closer to Jesus, or does this keep me further from him? It's always the same. Whatever our hopes, our dreams, whatever we're waiting on, in the different and in the difficult circumstances of our while-we-wait space, we can ponder ponder our choices. Will these impatient thoughts bring me closer to Jesus? Will this place I've decided to go or move to, will that bring me closer to Jesus? Will this person I've decided to share my life with, does that bring me closer to Jesus? Will this job or environment or this company that I'm keeping or whatever, are these things that are going to keep us close to Jesus? Just was reminded of that verse in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Make no mistake, the enemy wants your posture to be one of doubt and deter because he is in the business of keeping you far from Jesus and keeping you very far away from who you're becoming in him. There's a wee quote from Christy Wimber here. Advent is the promise of hope that our now is not forever, the reminder that God has always had us on his mind. I just love that. We can be at peace knowing that we are not a people abandoned by God, but the very object of his coming. We're coming into land now. What about our determined? So this is the fourth thing. And our determined means our fixed position. If we're going to maintain a posture of hope and perseverance for the long haul, then what is our fixed position? And it's a one word answer. And it's trust. Hope is the practice of trusting God in the gap. I think Laura said something similar to that a few weeks ago. I recently heard a talk on dreams by John Mark Comer. And this he summed this up just so beautifully. He said this, the point of a dream isn't to tell us what is going to happen in the future, it's to tell us how to live in the present. Because if we knew the future in the exact way that we dreamt it, we would not need to trust God for it. We would think we had control and that does not leave room for faith. What a great quote. Mm -hmm. In scripture and the different characters we read about, they show us that trust is not passive. So yes, I'm saying trust is our fixed position, but it moves. If you think of other characters in the Bible, Joseph and David, Ruth, and of course at Advent we think of Mary. Trusting God in the waiting means taking action. Like Think of Mary, and we talked about this at our life group just during the week there, after the angel had come to visit Mary and had told her that she would um, be conceive and that she, she told her about Elizabeth as well what did Mary do in that moment she could have sat there and worried for the next nine months no she moved in with Elizabeth and she lived with her for five months she went to be with the person that who, who could help her with her dream who could share what God was doing you know someone who she trusted you know she moved herself towards the dream and not away trust is active it's not something we wait on while we're waiting And to keep trust as our determined, our fixed position, we join in and partner with what God is doing. And I go on about this all the time. As Jordan Sang taught us, risk is spelt T-R-Y. It's trusting God in the waiting, the becoming, and in the process that God has for us as much as trusting in the dream itself. And this is hard to think of this morning, but it's true if our determined, if our fixed position is not trusting in God, we could argue that the dream has become more important to us than the God who began birthing it in us. When Nathan relayed those words from God to David earlier in 1 Chronicles that we read, he said, I will be his father, he will be my son, I will never take my love away from him. I was reminded of the verses in Luke 22 when Jesus was on his knees spending time with the Father. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus himself experienced pain and anguish as he waited, even though he knew what the glory of his death would bring for a weary world, waiting for the fullness of the kingdom of God to come. Trust says, God, your will be done, while I wait, even though it's turning out to be different and more difficult than I thought. In these strange days of uncertainty, Advent means trusting again in Jesus, trusting again in his certain coming as we wait. Thank you for being patient, let me get to the end. And I think this is possibly a moment for us to respond. So in a moment I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and I know that's a bit weird because we're not together. And then I'm going to pray over us, and then the worship team are going to lead us as we respond. By way of declaration of those words waiting here for you and i do just feel for so many of us this morning this is an opportunity right now to fix our position while we wait there are some of us watching and we have done this at different times in our life but today we need to refix our position to once more declare that we are putting our trust in god so if you would like to and if you are able i would love us to stand together whether you're in your living room, your bedroom or your kitchen. <coughs> if you're a couple, you may stand together. If you want to be this to be a family declaration, bring the kids in. And people are standing in the room with us today. It's just wonderful. And if we were all together physically in a room, we would be supporting each other. We would, as Chantel said earlier, we'd be standing alongside each other as a family. So if you would like to, and you can do it quickly, I'm inviting you to type yes into that chat box on YouTube if you're wanting to stand and respond this morning. So as I pray, I invite you to place both of your hands out in front of you. And normally this would be a posture to receive, but for this morning, our open hands are a surrendered offering to God. In our left hand, I want us to imagine our dreams, our hopes, all our deepest longings, our thoughts and our feelings and in our right hand we place all of our trust and right now we remove our trust from all the other things that we've placed it in and we say in God we trust we trust you God so God we ask you now to receive what is in our hands this morning come Holy Spirit And Lord, we repent of the times that our dreams have become more important to us than you. Jesus, we want to become more like you. Will you show us your ways? Guide us, God, as we take decisions, as we make choices. Lord, help us to make the ones that keep us close to you. Holy Spirit come and minister to us this morning in our waiting space when waiting on our dreams looks so painfully different and more difficult than we could ever have thought. Holy Spirit come. Give us your presence God. And in this moment as we present our dreams, our requests to you once again Lord, we ask for your kingdom to break through in our lives. Amen. Your will be done in Lorne and Fergus, in our towns, in our homes, in our families, as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to trust in you again amen. in this Advent season as we wait for you again, God. In Jesus' name, amen.